Yo, 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 what is going on, everybody? And welcome to episode 16 of the Get The Shot podcast. My name is Billy Quatch, and I am a content creator based in Kansas City, working at Let It Fly Media, as well as the NFL as an LCC for the Kansas City Chiefs. This podcast is for all you aspiring creatives trying to get your shot at working in the sports industry. Today, we have a very special guest on the podcast, Susie Milano from UCLA Athletics. She is their video creative content producer, and that is a very long title that basically means she covers every single sport on UCLA's campus, from football to basketball to soccer to gymnastics to all of the above. So she is a rock star for covering so many sports and being able to adapt to so many situations. Today, we're going to be talking about her journey from TCU to sports anchoring, working in local news, and then becoming a creative at UCLA. We're also going to be answering questions straight from you, the audience. So thank you so much for everyone that called into the episode. I'm ready to get this thing started. So let's get this popping. Let's run it. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Today, we have a special guest on the show, Susie from UCA Athletics. Susie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing phenomenal. Um, trying to make it to next week because I'll be in Tampa, but um, we're halfway through this week, so just looking forward to going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Very casual, casual. Just, just chill. It's chill. It's chill. All right. Um, let's we'll start off. <laughs> let's start off with just a quick intro from you. Um, say your position and kind of what your day to day responsibilities are right now, just so people kind of know who you are in case they don't. Yeah. Um, well, my name is Susie Milano. I'm a creative content producer for UCLA Athletics. So I cover literally every sport on campus. Um, it's me and two other people at UCLA, which usually blows people's minds. Um, my boss is the creative director, and then I do a majority creative video. And then my coworker, Eric, does um, graphics. And then we all kind of dabble in photo a little bit. So, and then we also hire out freelance photo every once in a while. So, um, a little bit of everything, but a majority uh, create a video. Nice. And then how, um, summarize kind of your journey on what got you started, how'd you get here, you know, bumps along the way. Like, how did you end up at UCLA as a content creator? Oh, okay. This is going to be a really long answer. So, I am preparing all of you listening. Um, so, I started out working in sports media with a dream of being a sideline reporter. Um, like a lot of females in there, 18, and I was surrounded by sports my whole life. Um, you know, baseball was huge in my family. But I was also kind of a weird kid where I also did theater and dance, and so I liked performing and being in front of people. So in my mind, the perfect combination of the two was, you know, being on air, sideline reporting, being in front of the camera. Um, and it's super fun. It really is a lot of fun. But the, you know, the steps to get there are really intense, just like it is for video. Um, but that's the path that I went on first. So I started, um, I went to college at TCU at Texas Christian in Fort Worth, go Frogs. Um, majored in film, TV, digital media with an emphasis in sports broadcasting. I majors technically sports broadcasting. Um, a good majority of that major was live production. Um, which for me at the time was great because I wanted to be on air. 
Um, I had a ton of internships, which I don't know if I highly recommend that. I think getting a few internships is really great. Um, sorry, can you hear that trash truck going by? Okay. <laughs> LA, baby. <laughs> um, so when I was in college, I had a lot of internships. I was like super, super obsessed with being successful, and I still am. Um, but I had this, you know, one track mind of I'm going to be on air, I'm going to be national, I'm going to go after it. So I did every possible internship that I could. Um, I interned. My first internship was for the Cape Cod Baseball League. I interned there for two summers. And those were two of the best summers of my life. They were so much fun. Um, yeah, it's not a huge network that I'm interning for, but I think that when it comes to experience, those smaller internships are really amazing and don't overlook them if you're a college student right now. Um, they usually give you a little bit more hands-on experience, um, which I feel like we might talk about that a little bit more down the line. Um, I went from Cape Cod to, I interned for the local TV stations in DSW. Um, working in news and sports, doing, I was a runner, you know, I was a, basically a PA, just as an intern, um, with their reporters at CBS, DSW, and, um, I also worked for Fox Sports Southwest. Um, so a little bit bigger, a little bit of a step up from Cape Cod. Um, and then my junior, well, I guess kind of throughout my time at TCU, I interned here and there with the athletics department. Um, but it wasn't until my senior year that I did like an actual class credit internship with the athletic department, um, doing on-air stuff as well as, um, production, video production. So that senior year was really like my first introduction into what could be the world of sports production, video production. Um, which at the time, I mean, not to make myself sound old, but I graduated in 2015. So. At the time, sports, you know, social content was not what it is now. It, it was touched on, but it wasn't emphasized in the college athletics world. Um, so I learned a lot, but it, that department itself has changed so much since I was there. And, like, the TC department is, like, crazy. So props to them. Their stuff has been awesome. Um, but from that internship, like, between my junior and senior year, sorry, I know it's taking forever, Junior and senior year, I'm emphasizing my internships because I have a feeling the majority of people listening are college students, right? So hopefully this is helpful for you guys. I don't know. Um, but my junior and senior year, I interned for MLB Network and Productions in Secaucus, New Jersey. Um, and I worked there and said to myself, I'm never living in New Jersey again. I hate this place. This is awful. Um, so at that point, I'm 21 and I've lived in Texas and Massachusetts, New Jersey, and San Diego. I'm from San Diego. Um, so then I graduate, and it's time for me to figure out my first job. And so like a lot of people who want to be on air, my first, I guess, real position as an on-air reporter was I worked in small town Helena, Montana, as a, a news and sports reporter uh, doing high school football and NAIA football and I was there for a year and I liked it kind of it was okay I found myself like trying to do things creatively and then kind of having the door shut on me because of it 
because if anybody is studying broadcast journalism or has dabbled in, you know, being an MMJ at some point, you know it's very structured. Local TV is very structured. Their time slots are so small. Like, you don't really have time to create this elaborate thing that you might if you're doing social content. So to me, it just kind of felt a little bit like, okay, local TV might not be my move. Um, I kind of want to, I wanted to try sideline reporting anyway. Um, so I, at that point, was like, okay, I got to find something else. Luckily, I was on a one-year contract there. Um, well, actually, I won't shy away from this because I want people to know that this does happen. Um, I was on a one-year contract with automatic renewal for the second year. So, but that's only up to the station. The, the local TV contracts are really crazy. Um, so, I've automatic renewal for second year, and they didn't renew me, which basically means I got fired from my first job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't want to say got fired, but they were like, "Well, we're not going to renew you, and you can leave at any point." <laughs> so I'm like, "Okay." Great. <laughs> It just wasn't a fit. Like, it wasn't a fit for me, and it wasn't a fit for them. Because I just, I kept trying to do things that they didn't want, you know? I, I went and shot um, something with one of their minor league baseball teams, and it was, like, this long feature with, like, RC shot, I mean, now looking back on it, it's trash. But, like, at the time, I was like, oh, this is beautiful, like, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no. We just want a both thought. We just want the sound bite. Like, I'm like, how like I did a sit down interview with all these people and they're like, we don't need it. We don't need that. We don't time for it. And so it was a constant thing like that. So Mm -hmm. I think they were kind of like, okay, this isn't her area and we need somebody that can actually like do what we need them to do. So in a weird way, that was like the best thing that's ever happened to me because it forced me to really take a look at, you know, what I could do instead and what was actually important to me and what actually made me happy. And, I think that was the first time that I was like, hey, I like being creative. I really enjoy, you know, doing things that aren't structured. And when was the last time I did that? When I worked at TCU in the athletics department. So I was like, maybe I should try going back to college athletics again. So very weird. Um, Sorry, I know this is dragging. Um, When I was at in Montana, I did a story on the bench mob at Monmouth. I don't know if you guys remember the bench mob it was the the kids on the bench would go nuts and they had these choreographed dances and it was all over sports center and the NEIA school that I covered in Montana tried to do the same kind of thing and they said oh well we're pulling our motivation from Monmouth bench mob and so I incorporated Monmouth into my story in Montana and because of that the Monmouth bench mob retweeted my story and because of that retweet I had a whole bunch of people from Monmouth follow me and eventually that turned into a job within a month or two. I, somebody reached out to me and was like, or I reached out to somebody when I saw them tweet out a job link. And I was like, hey, I'm interested in this job. It was a sideline reporter position with creative video incorporated to it. So the digital media correspondent was the title of the position. Um, and it was great. I ended up going back to New Jersey. I lived in New Jersey for four years. Was it four years? Oh my God, I don't know. Three years. I think it was three years. No, it was three years. I, I don't <laughs> know either. <laughs> I don't know, I'm cold. Um, <laughs> three years I was in New Jersey. Um, and then this past, so September 2019 was when I took the job at UCLA. Um, 
I love doing sideline. It was a ton of fun. But as I spent more and more time in creative video, I realized I was a lot happier in that space. And it was, I honestly was more talented in that space in my mind. Um, and I felt like there was a lot more for me to learn. And it was going to make my career a lot longer. As much as I hate to say it, as a female on air, their career can be very short. Um, so I really wanted to make sure that I set myself up for a longer career than a majority of women who work on air. Um, so I think I got really lucky because working on air at a lower level, you're required to run your own camera and edit your own content and do your own stuff. And so through that path, I was able to figure out I like having a camera in my hand. I like editing. You know, I like coming up with these creative storylines. And um, I do miss being on air for sure. But um, I just think there's a lot more for me to explore and learn when it comes to the creative video world. So um, I ended up taking the job at UCLA. And it was only um, video production. So it has been a little bit of a weird change for me. but. It's, it's really crazy to me to look back and see my content when I was kind of split between both worlds in comparison to when I put all my focus in to just video production. Um, once I made the decision to do that, I, I feel like I just, you know, improved so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, you kind of, I, I don't know, it's just kind of like putting yourself in one place and really focusing on that has really, I think, changed my content like a lot. For the better um but yeah it was it was crazy my my process of getting the job specifically at ucla was really stressful it was a lot of you know getting rejected getting not not getting emails back you know, nobody wanting to respond to you and it took I, I honestly was applying for jobs for over a year and a half until um the summer of 2019 and it, I want to say this. I want to talk about this, but I don't want it to come across like oh, I had so many job offers. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. I didn't, but it just all happened at once. Mm -hmm. So I had applied for a lot of jobs, and um, so I I apologize in advance if this sounds like I'm ungrateful, but it was just kind of a crazy time, and I feel like the story is kind of like important to tell. Um, I applied for a lot of jobs, took about a year and a half, and then all of a sudden. I started getting calls back like all at once and I had interest from Long Beach state and I had interest from Oregon state and those were like my two, I had a couple other ones, but those are my two that I was like, really like, okay, I can do this. I had really had my heart set on coming back to California um, because this is my home and my family's here and I spent almost 10 years away from them. And I was like, I'm done. I'm ready to be back. Um, so when Oregon state offered me the job, I, I was very excited about it because of course I had no idea that I would even be at the level of a power five school. I'm like, I can't believe that Oregon state's even interested in me. Um, so I was very humbled by that, but I still was really like, I want to be home. And I had remembered that UCLA had an opening a while back. And so I reached out to UCLA and was like, Hey, I'm looking for a job. Um, this was, when I was talking to Oregon State, they hadn't offered me yet. It was just kind of like, 
I want to see what's out there. You know, if a Power 5 school is interested, maybe another Power 5 school will be interested too. Um, just because I knew, I just wanted to come home, you know, and I was mm-hmm. like, I really wanted to be in the right position. Um, so I reached out to UCLA and I was like, hey, I'm really interested if you the position still open. And I managed to find a connection with the hiring manager. And next thing you know, I landed a job at UCLA. It. And it's like really mind-blowing to me to have gone from a mid-major like Monmouth to end up at an amazing university like UCLA. And I mean, I guess the moral of that story is like you just have to go after it um, and see what happens. Cause yeah, like, so there, there was no application that you applied for. You just reached out, right? Yep. That's a, yeah, that's I, they had an open application, I think, um, back in like March. And I reached out in July, August. And I was working the game against Oklahoma, which was September, like first week of September. Wow. So it was, it was crazy. It happened very fast. I ended up getting a job offer and moving two weeks later. And it was just like, bam, bam, it happened. And it's been incredible i love nice. my job and i love being in la and i'm i'm so happy to have been um you know offered a position that's so close to home just, to me at this point in my life that's what was important um a step up and close to my, my family yeah that, that's really awesome to hear and a lot to get into but first I'm sorry no you're good no you're fine i i love it um we're gonna get into the call-in section first so just so we don't keep people waiting We'll answer the questions okay. and then we'll get back to your journey and how you got here and, you know, go more into detail on that. So first up, we're going to add to the room. It's going to be Ryan. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing Hi, good. Ryan. Hey, nice to uh, see you guys through Zoom face-to-face. <laughs> yeah, thanks for joining <laughs> us. You're good. Um, yeah. Why don't you just start off with int- introducing yourself, kind of say your name and then kind of your current position or if you're working or your student or whatever, just so we have more context of answering your questions. And then you could go ahead and shoot off your first question that you have for us. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for having me on. Um, my name is Ryan. Sarah. I work at the University of Notre Dame as the assistant uh, video coordinator for Notre Dame football. So my line of work kind of deals more of coaching film primarily, but um, I am asked to make you know highlights for the team like what they watch uh, right before they take the field, essentially. And then um, make highlights for like recruits and stuff like that. But all my work is done internally and washed internally. Um, this is for like the team base or any like recruiting inside. So that's where I'm at. But then I'm also on the side, just been picked, picked up a black magic by your inspiration and uh, been uh, volunteering other sports outside of football because I don't really get to pick up a camera. It's kind of ironic that I'm a, you know, assistant video coordinator, but I do all this editing, but I don't actually pick up a game behind the camera. So uh, it's something I've been uh, inspiring and passionate about, and it just keeps growing and growing. And so eventually, kind of where I want to jump into, uh, been helping out with hockey and women's lacrosse was just yesterday. They just asked if I want to shoot their practice. And I was like, well, I got an hour to kill. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, but I can just jump right into the questions. Um, let's see here. Um, my questions are, I want to be more organized and, uh, moving forward from a post-production standpoint. I know you talked about, um, making, like for Adobe Premiere, making folders, structures, and things like that. 
uh, labeling your, um, so you can be organized, like here's where your sequences go, yada, yada, yada. But I kind of want to know what your process is, even from like a labeling footage standpoint, do you label your footage all in Premiere? Do you do that at all? Because uh, I know the times, deadlines kind of dictate that. Um, but working from like a cost standpoint, you um, kind of want to see what your process is. So like, you know, you, you work a game or an event, and then uh, in, I mean, going from there, just kind of just so I can get more organized. I do some labeling in, in like Finder and things like that, but like I just wanted to see how you guys do it so I can take some notes. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I'll start off first. And organization is a huge, huge key point that I think a lot of people um, gloss over. Um, you know, they just dump their footage on, you know, to the desktop or to the drive, and then they open the project and they don't really check where they're saving it. And then they do the project and then they dump all the footage in, export, save it, and then close it. And then, you know, when they have to come back to it months or weeks down the road, everything's offline. They don't know where that logo was. They don't know where the music was. They don't know. They don't know where anything is, and that's a huge, yeah. you know, um, pain point that I try to avoid. Um, and for me, it starts off with just basically for me, it's just a folder structure, and um, I basically have a template of a folder, and in in that folder, there's like a footage folder. There's a music an, el an elements folder. There's a exports folder there's a pr folder for my project file there's a um there's a documents folder if there's any documents um for like waivers or contracts or whatever but basically everything that you would probably need there's a folder for that and then that's all in one folder and then anytime i have a new project i just copy that folder and rename that the copied folder so that way all the folders within, you know, is still there. And that just keeps me um, organized. And I make sure that everything that I'm using for my project is somewhere in that project folder, if that makes any sense. So basically, if there's mm -hmm. any footage you're using for a project, it needs to be in the footage folder of that project folder. Um, and that's a big, big thing that I, you know, I'm not labeling clips when individual clips, um, cause I, to me that it kind of, it kind of wastes some time for me just cause I shot the footage. So I kind of know where things are. If you're working with a team and maybe you're working with a larger group, it might be more important to label clips. Um, at the chiefs, we labeled our, all our clips. We had a system to, you know, tag label, change names and, you know, everything had a clip, everything had a code, everything, Every shot was basically labeled the frame rate, the lens, the camera, the shooter, um, the play, the quarter, like all the details were in the title. Um, so I, I understand the importance of that if you're working for like an organization and a team, but if you're just freelancing on your own by yourself, I don't see the point in labeling just because it's my footage and I know what I shot. So um, the big thing for me is just folder structure and making sure that you know, you take the time to dump the footage onto your drive or wherever that folder is, exists, making sure that you, you're browsing, you know, when you open up Premiere, you're saving it in that folder. Whenever you download music, you drag it into that folder. Whenever you download a logo, you're not leaving all that stuff like in your downloads, you're dragging it and 
bringing it into your project folder so that way everything lives there and everything is there when you come back. Um, Susie, what about you at UCLA? Yeah, I mean, that's really similar to what we do. Um, I think a lot of people learn organization the hard way. Um, I know when you're in college and whatnot, they you, you throw yourself everywhere. You have no idea where this is and that is. And um, So I, I definitely learned the hard way like a lot of people, but now that I'm organized with it, it is a huge game changer. We do, we do it similar where we have an online server and we, every project that I work on has a specific folder. And within that folder, I have subfolders. Like the first one's always the project file itself. The second one um, is all the footage. The third one is all of the assets. So if I'm throwing any kind of graphics in there that are pre-made, um, I, I usually have like a graphic sound effect and music folder within my assets folder. Um, and then I have an export folder. So that way it's easy for if somebody else for some reason needs to access the project, like say I started a video and I get like really sick or something and somebody needs to finish it before the deadline. They have everything that they need right there in the folder and they can access it from their server um, and they can make an adjustment um, from, from their computer. That's just usually typically, you know, a university's way of doing it because there's sometimes other people that need footage. Um, I will say I'm not the best at labeling my footage either. Um, even though I think you should be, I mean, I hate to admit it. Like, I wish I could tell you that I was perfect at it, but I'm, I'm not good at it. Uh, everybody hates it, right? Everybody hates yeah. it. It's boring and it's a time sucker. And, um, so yes, I, I label my footage sometimes because when you work at a university, a lot of people, um, need to use your footage other than you. Um, and so I always feel a little like embarrassed and I have to send footage to people and I'm like, I didn't label this. It was so awkward. Um, but so if you can't, if you have time to label your footage, I would highly recommend it, but also need to remember that you have to label your footage before you start working on your project, because the minute you change the name of a file, it's going to unlink. So, I mean, I don't know if everybody out there knows that, but don't move your Move your footage after you start the project. Don't relabel it after you start the project because it will unlink everything. Um, another thing I learned the hard way. I remember in college, one of, some of my files were unlinked and I thought I lost the whole project. I was like, this is over. It's all done. Like, <laughs> Don't panic if, you're, if your files turn red. You can relink them. It's okay. Um, but just try to avoid it if you can. Um, but when it comes to the actual project itself, I think it's also really important to be um, super organized within Premiere or whatever program you're using. Um, for me, the easiest way for me to explain this would be if I'm doing like a long form feature or some kind of, you know, sit down interview type thing, I'll make sure to keep all of my interview footage on one line in my timeline. So it's all right there. Same with the audio below. So I know the very first line and the very second line within my timeline are all going to be interview footage, um, talking heads, whatever. And then the line above will be my B-roll. Obviously, you have to layer it, so it'll be that way. But um, I try to, like, keep it so it's not like, oh, I have an interview. I have a talking head right here, and then on the next line, I have another talking head, and then the B-roll's over that. Like, you want to keep it all together, all on the same line, all in the timeline. Um, just when it, it's a lot easier when you're looking at it. Um, but the other thing I would say is color labeling as well. Um, within Premiere. So I like to label like all of my talking heads, all my interviews are blue. Um, all of my graphics are yellow. 
all of my like adjustment like you I want to lay, uh, label different adjustment layers different colors so if it's an adjustment layer for a talking head it's pink if it's adjustment layer for a specific b-roll shock it's going to be another color but I know when I'm looking at my timeline what color I'm looking at I'll know what shot it is or what portion of the video it is without having to go back and replay it through so I don't know if that's helpful for you but that's how I do it um no, color no. labeling and um line labeling within your that's going to help. Um, I you have access to the university footage, like some of you, but I work separately from the university that puts all the outside content in. So I often copy all the footage and relabel it my way because they tag it differently, and I can't, it's just a thing with me. So I was just trying to like, all right, how do I can be the most you know most efficient and most organized? But those are a lot of good tips. I appreciate that. Um, I know you guys have a lot of people coming on, so. My last question is more just a general concept of making social, like if I do get asked to make a video two times, like whether it's a freelance or whatnot, um, brand content versus like your identity. So like if I'm making a video for, I know it's likely going to go out to like a social media for like women's lacrosse or Nordic hockey or Nordic football. Nordin so brand um, centric or like I don't know what the word is, but like they have a specific video look, and I just kind of see it, and I find myself making a video that looks like those videos, but it's not necessarily what I would like to do. And so, how do you balance that, like you know, brand versus like your type of art, like a better word? Yeah, I think it's it's very easy to get your touch and your, you know, your specific style. Um, it's easy for that to kind of disappear when you're working with a specific team or a client. Um, obviously, if you're freelancing and you're working with a client, their, their ideas have to come first because they're looking for something specific. Um, but to me, the easiest way to keep my style, I, I do a lot of focus on color grading and color correction. Um, that is a way for me to put my own personal stamp on things um, within UCLA work. Um, I like to be able to look at my stuff and be like, oh, okay, I, I definitely made this. You know, Cho made this. Andrew Cho made this. Um, so it's, it's really hard. I think a lot of focus on subtle things um, like color grading might help you <laughs> um, to feel like, you, you know, this is my work. Um, but you do, of course, have to remember if you're making something for someone specific that it has to be up to their standards and up to their, you know, ideas. I don't know if that answers your question, but my easiest way to keep my stamp on things is through my color grading. Yeah, no, that that helps. And it kind of is, I follow like the Chargers, for example, like an Alex Farkas and all that, and they just, I love what they do, but that's just, that's not like Notre Dame. So to speak, and so like I can't just bring that style, whatever what they kind of do, and just splash down there. <laughs> and so I was just trying to think of a, a happy medium. I think the sorry, I'm going to jump in again. Really no, quick. Um, I think that the other thing is that when you are freelancing versus working for university, I I do both. So I I also freelance, um, but I don't freelance in sports. I usually freelance outside, and I think there's something really great about having the ability to 
do work outside of your specific brand that you are employed by because it kind of helps your creative juices flow and it gives you the ability to, um, you know, try new things and uh, have fun with stuff. And I, maybe that's helpful for you. Like, oh, you, you know, you have to make a specific kind of video for this university, but I can spend my other time, you know, freelancing and trying new things on my own time and learning a little bit more about my style and what I want to achieve in my videos. And then maybe in a way you can find a way to bridge the two. Once you have a decision of like what your look is, what your style is and what your feel is, and then how do you transition it? Over. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just, um, I, I'll just add something real quick. Um, I guess I don't really have to deal with this as much because I'm no longer with the chiefs and like working for a team. I'm working at an agency and you know, now we have a lot of different clients and everyone has their own style and you know, own look that we're, we're trying to help uh, deliver. Um, so what I like to think about is, you know, making sure that even though I have a certain look or a certain way that I like to see things, um, if it doesn't make sense to like, I, I basically just like play it by ear. Like if it, if it makes sense to kind of add some of that flair into the project that I'm working on, then I'll try to add it subtly or, you know, try to push it and just see what they, what my clients have to say about it. Um, but if it's obvious that the client, you know, isn't super flashy and whatnot, then um, sometimes you just have to realize what the box is and play inside of that box. Um, it's not really a huge issue that I bump into a lot outside of working sports. And I feel like that's more um, of something I dealt with while I was working at the Chiefs. And when I was working at the Chiefs, um, you know, I tried to figure out quickly what that box was. And to be honest, I tried to push, like, they gave me a box, but I tried to push myself up against the glass and, like, try to almost break the box. And um, I feel like I helped kind of do that at the Chiefs and try to bring a little more fun and a little more flair to their social videos. And sometimes, like, that, you know, obviously you don't always, this isn't your, you know, main goal to change a team style, yeah. but, like, sometimes um, you can try to help influence how a brand or organization puts out their content by trying to add your own flair little by little and just subtly, like, seeing what they're okay with and seeing what they're not okay with and kind of just, um, you kind of get the lay of the land of, okay, they're okay with me doing this, so I'll do this again, but maybe I'll do it better. And then that kind of evolves into what it eventually becomes. And then next thing you know, you've been doing it for so long that it's just ingrained in, in the brand and then they're used to it. And then, um, I, so I think what I'm trying to say is like slowly, gradually work your way in versus jumping in and like complete 180 effects here, yeah. effects there, <laughs> you know, crank it up like I think if you do it subtly and like over a long period of time that's a more realistic um strategy versus trying to just do your own thing right away that's exactly what I was trying to say you just said it better <laughs> <laughs> well thanks guys I really appreciate your time it helped a lot and uh best luck to you guys
Yep. Thank you very much, Ryan, for joining the podcast. And thank you so much for um, calling in. No problem. Bye-bye. Nice. Easy first one. Those are some good questions. They were. They were. I'm like, I don't know. I really really struggle with um, imposter syndrome, (laughs) which I think a lot of people in our world yeah. do. So I'm like, oh, 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 what are they going to ask me? <laughs> Which I'm so glad I have answers. Like, obviously, yeah. I talk a lot. So, yeah. Uh, whatever. Organization but. is super big. And, like, I don't know, it's, it's just like time killer if you're not organized. Like, it's crazy. It sucks. It sucks, but you'll thank yourself later for yeah. it. Like, future you will thank yourself, like, past you. Yeah. Um, and another yeah. thing, another big thing I didn't mention, I'll just say for the listeners, is like, get used to, or be comfortable with things being offline and like relinking. Like that menu shouldn't scare you. It should be like, all exactly. right, I know what, what I'm looking at. I know what's missing. I need to go find those yeah. things. Like be comfortable with fixing that menu. Don't be scared of it. I think I, at first I was super scared of it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I broke it. But now mm-hmm. like when things are offline, I'm just like, oh, easy. I just got to go find the clip or find where it is. Maybe I need to put that in the right spot and then you know, fix it. Or sometimes I put stuff offline on act, on purpose to fix the organization that wasn't in place yeah. at the beginning. And then I rate linked stuff. So like super important to know that menu. Yeah, um, totally. Right. And do a good job of making those things look very scary and it's like intimidating, but like, just don't panic. <laughs> You'll be fine. All right. Next up is Jacob. Hello, Jacob. Hi. How are you doing today? Hi, Jacob. Good. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. This is the Get the Shot podcast. Um, let's start off with the intro from you and just say your name and kind of your current position, whether you're, whether you're a student or a worker, and that will give us more context on to better help answer your questions. Sounds good, yeah. So I'm, my name is Jacob. Uh, I'm currently a sophomore at uh, Minnesota State University, Moorhead, but I'm mainly, I kind of just started shooting content for uh, North Dakota State University. And let's say I've been taking photos for like five years now. And I kind of just like realized how much I love sports and that I could combine those two things last year, but I never kind of like jumped on the opportunity at my school that I like study at. So, but then like COVID hit and everything and like all those sports got canceled, but luckily I reached out to someone at uh, NDSU and they let me take photos of their games. And then at the, what, uh, the second game I shot, I talked to the video guy there and he's, willing to actually take me on to like shoot video since they're having a spring football season now. So nice. I get to like start doing that. So I'm excited. Cool. That's awesome. And then what, what are your questions for us? Okay. So my first question would kind of be going off what I just said. So I'm shooting content for one school, but then like studying at another, which can kind of be tricky, but I've like kind of realized that like NDSU is like a lot bigger of a school than the school that I'm like getting my degree from. But I'm like, I'm studying photojournalism. I'm not sure if I mentioned that. But uh, I'm wondering if it'd like be worth the sacrifice to like kind of sacrifice my degree in a way, uh, but to be able to keep shooting content on like a regular basis for NDSU for the next couple of years. Uh, what do you mean by sacrificing your degree? Like taking less classes or? So I heard like, uh, like I'd assume I'd have to go into like NDSU's journalism department. Uh, just to, like get enough transfer credits in a way, but like I heard that their journalism department isn't the best. But like I know MSUM has like a pretty great journalism department, 
So I wouldn't be necessarily getting as good of a degree, I feel like. And I have like know a professor at my school who went to that NDSU. Like he left there because of how bad he thought it was. But like, you guys think it would be worth being able to keep shooting content and be having like a bigger D1 school with like better networking over like maybe just not having as good of a degree. Uh, so you're thinking about transferring schools. Yeah, yeah, I should switching. Okay, okay, gotcha. Um, from my perspective, um, that, that's a really good question and not a scenario I faced when I went through college, but thinking about it, how close are the schools? Are they like far or are they uh, like next so to So like it's the Fargo-Moorhead area. So it's like, five, it's like 15 minutes away. So like not far at all. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I think that's more of a just, I don't think, to me, your degree does not matter. Like, whether you get it from the school you're at now or whether you transfer to NDSU, like, I don't freaking care. Like, can you shoot or can you edit? Can you, like, can you do video? Can you, can you conduct interviews? Like, what's your real like? That's what I care about personally as a creative and as someone who hires people. And I feel like that's what most people would worry about. So I don't think you have to worry too much about, you know, should I switch to NDSU? And sacrifice because their journalism school is not as good as your current school. Like, if they're if they're right next to each other, I would just stay at your current school and work for NDSU. Now, if it's like you can't work for NDSU unless you're a student there, like if it's one of those situations where you get better access because you're a student or whatever, then that's where I would say yes, make the switch and transfer. And then I would say it's worth the sacrifice of a lesser degree if that's the case, but you get the better access and the better experience. So I think it's um, a question of like what the difference is between staying at your current school and shooting for NDSU versus going to NDSU and shooting for NDSU. If there's no difference, do whatever's cheaper and, you know, get your degree and get out. Susie, if you have any thoughts. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm a, I'm a little confused on why, if they're so close, you would have to transfer. Um, if, well, I guess if you are happy at your current school, I would just keep shooting for NDSU and, you know, finish your, finishing your degree at your current school. I know that it's, I was somebody who was actually looking into transferring when I went to college. So, um, maybe I, I do have a bit more of a perspective on this than I thought, but, um, I went to school hoping to play volleyball and I ended up getting recruited at TCU and then I got cut. So I was thinking about transferring to play volleyball. Um, but what I came down to for me was, I mean, let's be real. A majority of college is networking and making connections in our field specifically. Um, of course, if you're a, like a biology major or something like that, your education is very important. But if you're working in film and TV and digital media, a good chunk of what you're paying for is the access to, you know, alumni, um, professors and other people that are going to help further your career forward, um, move your career forward. Uh, So maybe looking at it from that approach, I had already set up some great connections at TCU and thought like, okay, that's gonna, you know, probably help my career more than if I end up just going somewhere to play volleyball. Um, So I would take a, a look at, you know, the relationships that you've created at your current school and decide if, you know, those are better than the ones you could potentially make at NDSU. 
Um, but the other thing too is if you transfer and you're not 100% sure all your credits will transfer, um, I probably wouldn't transfer um, if it's going to mean taking you longer to get out of school because I think everybody can agree that in this industry, um, experience is the greatest education. Um, and so the minute you can be out working professionally is going to be, you know, the sooner you can do that, the better. So I, I wouldn't prolong your college career um, if you can avoid it. <laughs> so if it's like a smooth transfer, probably do it because like then I can get better networking since it's a lot bigger of a school and I can like consistently shoot content for them. But if I have to like retake a bunch of classes and I'm looking at another semester or a whole year, like definitely don't do that. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Oh, yeah. I think you guys answered my question then. So I'll move on. Uh, my second question would be, how do you guys make sure you don't get stuck in some sort of bubble where you think that your work is good uh, when it's not, or you think your work is bad when it's actually good? And who do you look for, or like, who do you look to to critique your work and like help give you constructive criticism and make sure that you're constantly getting better? This is a great question and tough to answer because I always think my work is bad. I hate this. I mean, I, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. Like I, I'm very hard on myself. So it's, I'm never in a position where I'm like, Oh dang, that was good. Like that was fire. Like I, I'm never like that. So it's more so, um, you know, I don't know how, how to, you know, gain a little more confidence in that sense. Um, I go to my boss a lot. He's this, uh, Ramirez is, he's great. He's, and he's very easy to talk to and very good at explaining things. Um, he's been a huge help for me. And he's really great at, you know, helping me find my own way um, and my own, you know, style. So he's never, like, cornering. He gives me a lot of creative freedom, pretty much. Um, so he's been really helpful for me in, in you know, boosting my confidence. Um, but I also, obviously, the... Twitter community that we have is amazing. Um, they all, we all hype each other up so much, which is super fun. Um, but they're also really motivating and keep ideas fresh. And it's, you know, we're a great crew to be around. So in a way, like they help me with my confidence and they help me keep things new and um, keep me from, you know, being repetitive, I guess, because we're all, you know, we all get along and we all have a great time, but we're also competitive. You know, so we want to get better and we use other people's uh, work to uh, improve. So um, I'm never in a bubble where I think my work is too good, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah. And um, for me, uh, I think for me, the big thing is just not caring about what other, other people think and just posting your, I mean, if you're allowed to post your work, just to post your work, which is kind of like the mini campaign I'm trying to push on my socials right now. Um, I think a lot of people get caught up on like, is my work good enough? Is it not good enough? Um, is it bad? Is it not bad? Uh, I don't want to post it. It's not perfect. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not a focus. It's not the best color. It's the lighting wasn't great. It was cloudy that day. Like I'll just post it next week or I'm only, I'm not going to get a hundred likes. I'm not going to get a thousand likes. Like I'm going to lose followers. People are going to think I'm annoying. Like all these questions that, you know, a lot of people, uh, it stops a lot of people from posting. And for me, I, I don't give a F about any of those things. Like, just post it. Um, that's kind of the mindset I've had in the past 
a couple couple weeks, couple years, um, as I've you know started to care less and less about that stuff. Like it kind of frees you up from worrying about that, and then it makes you have space in your mind to worry about your next project and like trying to make that the best it can be. And um, so for me, it's just trying to ignore or you know not even intake the numbers or the info you're getting from social and just post your work to post your work like you know um i don't know if that answers your question but that's kind of my mindset when it comes to posting work or you know looking at your work from a good or bad lens um and then in terms of who i go to um to kind of like check out my work is just basically peers um my coworkers uh, my bosses, uh, my roommates, friends, sometimes I'll, you know, send a private link and just say, Hey, can you check this out? Um, which is a very, I don't know if everyone does this, but if they don't, they should definitely, you know, have their friends and, you know, they're maybe not their parents. Cause you know, your parents are going to say it's good no matter what. Um, but yeah. just, just, you kind of find someone that's nice about it and say, Hey, can you give me some constructive criticism or what do you like? Or what do you don't like? Like that's, that's something, those two questions, um, something I learned at the Chiefs are two important questions that you should be asking yourself a lot and you should be asking other people a lot about your creations. Like, uh, I feel like a lot of people don't ask themselves like, what do I like about this and what don't I like? Because then you could kind of figure out like the tangible, like, oh, I, I don't like how the sun is you know, on the right side, I like these photos where the sun is on the left side or, and then the next time you go shoot, you'll be like, okay, I remember that the sun being on the right sucks. So I'm going to flip, flip sides and make sure the sun's on the left or whatever it is. Um, that's a huge, um, kind of tool that I've been using ever since I left the chiefs. Um, that's where I learned it. Um, and, and that's, yeah, so that on top of my roommates and, you know, prof- or not professors, but I guess if you have professors that you trust to watch it or, heck, sometimes, you know, if you see a random student, you just want to go up to them and say, hey, check out this work and you just get a fresh eyes perspective on it. Um, I feel like anybody except your parents are, are the go-tos. I guess, I, I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I, like, I guess sometimes I feel like some people just say, like, your work is good because they don't want to make you feel bad. I'm not sure if you guys ever, <laughs> like, struggled from that. Um, oh yeah, I can, yeah, a lot. You can go, Sorry, you can go, go, go for it. Um, I I got that a lot when I worked on air, so I know that firsthand. Um, but you just have to look for the right people. You know, the ones that you know have your back. Um, another person that I really go back and forth with is um, Deanna Hong, who does everything for UCLA gymnastics. Um, she's amazing, and she's constantly sending me links and saying, "Check this out. What do you think?" Um, and vice versa. So it's, it's great to have a friend like that, that, you know, no matter what's going to be honest. Um, but the other thing I did want to mention is it's really easy to be hard on yourself. And one thing that I like to do is to go back every once in a while and look at the stuff, you know, that I made like three, four years ago and then see what I'm making now. And it's a good confidence booster because it's, it's easy to feel like you haven't improved when it just seems like things kind of drag sometimes. And 
you're like, I haven't gotten better. I, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself to keep up. And I think a lot of people do. Um, and it's very easy to not notice that you are actually improving and you're actually doing better. Um, so yeah, of course, seeking out other people to help you within your videos is great, but it's also your responsibility too to take a look at your own stuff and say, am I getting better? Am I, you know, like Billy said, do I like this? Do I not like this? Like it comes down also to you and your brain because it is your product at the end of the day. Yeah. And I'll add to that. Um, if you're going to like the same person and they're saying your stuff is good every time, then maybe you should just test the next time, like ask somebody else. Um, and that's how you could find out if like, you know, if, if that person, I mean, it might be really good and that person might really enjoy it. But like if the goal is to get better, you want to find someone who has some critiques or, you know, has some, at least they don't like. yeah. Um, and an, a good strategy for that is to just hit up people on social um, I get asked a good amount in my DMs, like, hey, can you check out this work or can you check out this video? Um, like I made this edit for my school or whatever. Um, can you check it out? And I I don't think once I've ever said, yeah, that's good. I like it. Like I tear it apart. And I let them know before, like, hey, just to let you know, I'm not just going to say it's good and move on. Like if you're sending me something to critique, I will rip it apart so you can get better and, you know, thank me in 10 years or whatever. Um, so finding that person on social who who will you know give solid critique, and that might just be, you know, shooting a couple of DMs and seeing who gives, um, you know, critique points that you like. Um, heck, you can send it to me. Like I'll I'll critique the crap out of it. Um, but that's another good strategy is like sending stuff on social, and you know, it doesn't have to be your roommates. It doesn't have to be your friends. It could be other creatives in this industry. And that's another great way to network and, you know, make friends in this, in this space. Yeah. I, I want to give one quick shout out to Matt Israel too. Um, he works for the Rams. He, we went to college together. He's a really close friend, but he's definitely one of those people that will tell me like, Hey, you needed to hold this shot longer or your color gray on this is like a little off. You know what I mean? So it's great to have people like that in your corner um, because it's all up. They want you to get better. We all want this industry to get better. So. Okay. Yeah. Do I have time for one more question? Yeah, go for it. Uh, so I guess I think just everyone kind of asked this, but like, where do I kind of go from here? So like second year in college, getting my start in video, I guess like two weeks from now, I'll get to shoot my first game. I've been taking photos for a while, but I just started in sports photos. So like kind of where do I roll from here? Uh, I'll start with, um, I mean, you've got sophomore year, you got junior year and you got senior year. And I would treat those three years as like, you know, a three-year window to experiment and just create a lot of stuff. Like, like unless you're doing class, unless you're studying, you're, you should be creating. Like, just make stuff. Even if it's bad, even if it's good, I don't care. Just create and put in reps. Um, and it's less about, like, if you're making good stuff or bad stuff. It's more about, you know getting more efficient and learning muscle memory on how to save a project, how to relink stuff that's offline, online, how to, you know, make this effect and just putting in reps after reps after reps to gain confidence that once you get an internship or you work somewhere after college, you're ready to go and you're, you know, blazing fast. And even though your skill level might not be as high as you want it to be, um, 
your the fundamentals are there and that's when you could learn and grow and you know get the experience needed to um you know level up but that's that would be my advice for you know people in college who are you know sophomores and freshmen even even junior and seniors like use those years as like experimental years to just create and figure out what you like figure out what you don't like ask yourself those questions try to figure out your style and you know that will set you up for success post college when you get to the you know adult life and you have to actually perform um you sp- you'll you'll be more ready than if you just didn't you know take advantage of all these opportunities to create the, the next 3 years yeah that's really close to what i was going to say um, i'm assuming you have your own gear yeah okay so if you have your own gear even if people who don't and you have your phone like you can make some pretty cool stuff with your own phone but just to constantly be creating and making new things and trying new things like this amount of time that you have right now is a gift because the minute you get into the professional world, it's nonstop. Um, so you're not going to be handed this time. Um, I didn't have that time because I was chasing a dream of being a sideline reporter. So I wish I had the time that you have um, to try new things and learn a little bit more about my own style. Um, but I also would say don't, don't put yourself in a corner when it comes to content. Like if you're, you know, you like shooting sports, that's great. But try some other things. Maybe you like shooting with musicians. I love working with musicians. I think it's a ton of fun and it's kind of nice to break things up a little bit too. Um, but you might be surprised. There might be some things out there that you really enjoy that are not sports related um, that might open some doors for you in the future. Um, of course, going after your dream of working in sports should be priority number one. But um, don't close any other doors and just kind of experiment around and try new things and, and see what's out there. Sounds good. Or maybe get an internship. That might be fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, ju- I'll just add on to that, Jacob. I started around my sophomore year. That's that's when I first got my camera. And, you know, it. I wasn't where I'm at now when I started out. Like, it took a lot of reps, a lot of videos. I was on iMovie. I was on, you know, my crappy MacBook, just cranking away on iMovie because I didn't have Adobe. Um, I was using a Canon T3i and just, you know, whenever my friends would say, Hey, you want to make a video? I'd say, yes, I, I, I didn't care. Like, you know, we did like formal proposals. We did, um, sorority videos. We did weddings. I did like mock or parody mu- music videos. Um, I just did everything. And now I'm, you know, focused kind of mainly in one area of sports, but, I got a lot of experience from different things and, you know, figured out what I didn't like. And back to that, you know, double question, like found out that I don't really like to do weddings. Um, I can do them, but, you know, I don't want to be a wedding videographer. And um, I only learned that by doing a couple of weddings in college and then, you know, found out how to be a better, you know, interviewer and how to do some interviews. I wasn't really confident in that. So like uh, you by stepping out of sports, you actually gain a lot of experience that helps you out once you get into the sports world. Because um, if you work for like a team or, or an organization, it's not all action sports. Like there's community events, there's product shoots, there's like, you know, all sorts of different shoots that 
you know, apply to so many different things that's off the field and um, getting your hands on as many projects as possible just makes you a more rounded, well-rounded creative when you do enter your dream job of working in sports. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining the call and asking those questions. Um, have a good rest of your week. You too. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Nice. That was cool. Sophomore yeah. in uh, college. So we got to, you know, talk to someone who's just starting their creative journey, um, which, you know, maybe hopefully our advice <laughs> gets him to where he wants to get. Um, I hope I, I didn't make him think he should get an internship because he. <laughs> you know, always working in the professional world is great and a great option. Too, yes. So. Inter internships are great. We're going to get to that after our last call in. Um, we've got one more and it's Peter. Yo, what's going on, Peter? Hey, what's up? Hey, Billy. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing today? I'm all right. Nice. I got Susie on the line as well. She works at UCLA and let's just start off with an intro from you. Just say your name and kind of what your situation is now, whether you're a student or you're working somewhere, just so we get some, some more context for your uh, question, and then you can, you can go ahead and ask your first question. All right, sounds good. Can you hear me all right? Yep. Great. Okay, awesome. Um, well, um, my name is Peter Warzel, and I'm 24. Um, I currently work for a construction company in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, as like a media associate. But because of like the field construction is in, it's kind of more of a communications field um, just because it, it's not quite the same as sports and they have some different objections. Um, but uh, pretty much I realized that I wanted to be in sports after I graduated from college. So I was like, okay, well, I don't want to go be a stockbroker anymore. So let's go figure out how we can do this. So ever since, I'm graduating. I've been at this construction company, and in the evenings when there are games, I go to some high schools and film their events, and then on weekends when I can and when I get books, I do some weddings, and a lot of that's just so I can, um, you know, stay updated and make sure that I'm always working on something just so that I don't get into some sort of lazy state and so that I can just keep improving. Nice. That's awesome. I guess I'd have to say my first question um, is, so I've done like research on um, NFL and MLB, LCC and stuff like that. And I know about teamwork online and NCA, NCAA market, um, but I've personally not found like LCC type work on those. Now, I, I just could have not found it at the right time, but I wasn't sure if that's like, there's a different process to that type of position. Um, and I was just kind of curious, how do you kind of find those type of things uh, regarding LCC? But as well as um, sometimes you see like with the college football playoff and the college world series and uh, March Madness and stuff like that, um, where you see not just creators from the universities and the teams that are actually in the event, sometimes they hire in people that um, – are from other schools or other places. And I was kind of curious, all right, what's the process to get into that? Yeah, um, I'll start off first with that. Um, as far as uh, NFL, LCC specifically, I don't know about the other LCCs for like MLB and whatnot. I think they post their postings on like NFL careers. Like I, I don't think they use Teamwork Online. 
So you kind of have to figure out what teams, what organizations use teamwork and then what leagues and what organizations uses like maybe their own site or maybe a different site, um, which can be tough. But one strategy I would, you know, give out is to try to find out, you know, follow those LCCs that are currently LCCs and just see, um, kind of wait to see if they ever repost that there's an opening. Cause usually whenever there is an opening and there is an application, our bosses will let us know and we'll be like, Hey, can you tweet out this link or can you re repost my tweet that has the application? Um, and I know my boss has done that, um, not recently, but a couple of months ago, he was looking for some LCCs and that's, that's when I, you know, first, that's why, that's when I first even knew that there was an actual application. Um, and in terms of like, uh, you mentioned like college football playoffs and world series and like the big events and all that. Um, I think the best way to, you know, try to put yourself in a positions to get to those points is to just network, network, network. Like you got to find out who hires those positions. You got to find out how the current people in those positions got there. Like who did they talk to? Like, um, you know, the creators you see that went to college football, like feel free to follow them and, you know, shoot them a message and just say, Hey, you know, I'm wondering if I could ask you a couple questions about your college football experience. I saw you went down there. Um, I love your work. Um, like how did you get that gig? Like, and most of the times I would say nine out of 10 times, they'll let you know. Um, and if, if not, that's fine. Just go on to the next one. Um, but I don't, you know, College World Series, I'm not sure what the process is behind that, but I'm sure whoever works for College World Series to put on that event probably has, you know, two or three spots for a creative to work under their umbrella for that series. And then you just need to find out, like, the timing of that. When do when are they looking? Who are they looking for? And, you know, that just deals with networking, LinkedIn, Twitter searches, like, you know, asking questions, shooting DMs. Um, and that's probably the best way to go about for, for those, those types of positions, which are more like not part-time, but they're almost more like single gigs um, that are on the side. Um, I, I personally am a firm believer in just reaching out to people uh, directly. Um, you, you might not see everything posted online and a good majority of work like that is word of mouth too. Um, that I think a lot of people miss those opportunities because, you know, somebody might not, might know somebody that's available or whatever, you know what I mean? So I, I mean, reaching out directly, I think is, is great. You also just in general, when it comes to applying for jobs, you, you don't ever want to just apply for a job. I think it's important to make sure that you find some way to have a connection within the organization. Um, like if you're, for example, when I applied for my job at your, when I reached out to UCLA, um, there actually wasn't a job opening. Um, I just reached out to them and mentioned that, you know, I was interested in working for them and I managed to find um, somebody that I went to college with um, that used to work there and she connected me. So in order to have, you know, an upper hand on somebody else's gunning for the same position, you want to make sure that you have, um, you know, some kind of internal connection, um, even if you have to make it yourself by following somebody on Twitter and reaching out to them or, you know, 
it's it sounds crazy, but like social media is such an important tool these days that every single job that I have gotten has been that way. Like aside from my my local TV jobs, but like every job in social media, and I have gotten through social media. So like to pay attention to things that people are retweeting and um, reaching like. Do it respectfully, but if you have to slide in someone's DMs, like slide in someone's DMs, you know? Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity out there, but you just kind of have to hunt for it. For sure. Thank you. Um, I just, I only have one more question. Um, and I know just from uh, just watching people and seeing the things they put out, they do some really cool stuff, but you don't always find um, some that like show you the tutorials of how they did that specific thing. And I've done, you know, some research and I found some people that I've been following, um, that do tutorials on YouTube and stuff like that. So I didn't know if there's anyone that you may personally know that you've looked for and you found and you've liked some of the things that they've done. And I figured, you know, um, that's someone that I may not know or have uh, seen. So I was just curious if you had anybody in mind. Well, our man Billy here does some pretty good stuff. <laughs> um, for me, I mean, I, I think every single person that's come on this podcast has said YouTube University, right? Like, oh, I, yeah. I think I learned a, ma- a majority, if not everything I know from YouTube tutorials um, or just being out there in the field and doing it myself. Um, for me, the OG Justin OD show was a big one. Um, he's like one of the originals. Um, his stuff is very straightforward if you're getting started. Um, he has a lot of like intro stuff that would be great. Um, my biggest um, tutorial person is Peter McKinnon, um, who does a lot of both photo and video. So, and his his social media is beautiful, so it's just worth following him anyway. Um, but yeah, literally any, you, you can find a tutorial for anything on YouTube, but I think I'm, I'm go to Peter McKinnon more than probably anybody else. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add to that. Um, I think one good tip is to look outside of sports. Um, cause that's kind of where I got my initial inspiration and kind of, you know, the initial tutorials, um, of getting into video was not even sports related. It was travel influencers um, based in LA. Um, so some of those people are Matt Como, uh, Taylor Cut Films, Rory Kramer, that one blonde kid. Um, and I think a good amount of them post tutorials on how they do some of their cool effects. And that's kind of where I got you know my start in, in interest in video. So... Um, I would, I would, it'd be safe to say that pro- a lot of sports videographers aren't doing tutorials of the stuff that they're doing um, just because they don't have time. Like, you know, Alex Farkas from the LA Chargers, love his stuff. He does amazing work. I'm not sure if he has tutorials on, you know, the cool effects that he's doing because he works at a football team and, you know, working for a football team takes up a lot of your times and you probably don't have that. The, it's like double work to make a tutorial on the work you did. Um, speaking of, from experience. So like um, if you can find someone in the sports world that, you know, does tutorials, obviously make sure to follow them and 
um, check them out. But a lot of the times for me, if I see someone do something cool in the sports world and they might not have tutorials on it, I will then try to find out, you know, on YouTube, like what do people generally call that effect and search that effect plus tutorial or how to do this or, um, you know, if I see someone do, yeah, just if I see some, if I see something cool and I want to figure out how to do it, um, you don't always have to use a tutorial that's created by that creator. It can be, you know, if it's a Luma fade effect, you can just it's YouTube Luma fade effect and look at the top five tutorials from other creatives and check those out. So, um, looking outside of sports is definitely tip number one for you, and then. Um, utilizing YouTube to find, you know, the right tutorial for the effect you're looking for is probably tip number two. Um, but but yeah, that's that's about it. YouTube University, proud alumni from YouTube University. Yeah. Neither of the people that I mentioned were sports. Yeah, they're both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good majority of the stuff that you might want to do if it's transition wise, if it's color wise, or whatever, it's it's going to probably have been done. A lot of the time, it's travel travel stuff that people do or product stuff so um yeah click on things that you know don't aren't sports well thank you both so much i really appreciate it yeah Yeah, also um i want to say that it's really awesome that you're deciding now to start um because i think that can be intimidating for a lot of people they feel like you know they've already been through college and whatnot and it's you know too late but props to you because it's awesome Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I both I enjoy listening to you guys, and I actually just because of a what um, Billy tweeted out yesterday, I saw that um that kind of like Stranger Things video you did, and that was really cool. Oh, thank you. <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah, you're you're definitely on the right track. You know, trying to do stuff outside of your current nine to five work, shooting games, shooting high school stuff. Like it's okay to be shooting those things because you're you know that's what you have access to now. And that's how you're going to get better and how you're going to use that stuff to get to the next level, whether it's college or, you know, uh, and, 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 um, like a professional league. So keep, keep doing you and, you know, I'll see you on the sideline soon. All right. Thanks both so much. Have a good one. Yep. You too. Bye. Bye. No, that was great. I, I'm a firm believer in, you know, you so cheesy, but like following your dreams, you only live, you know, once. So, like, I don't know. It's great that, you know, he's like, hey, this is what I want to do. I'm going to go after it. And I think it's great. You know, do what makes you happy. Yeah. And it's it's okay to change, like, your tra- trajectory. Like, you did that. You know, I didn't know you mentioned volleyball. And then you got to TCU. And then you started to get into sideline reporting and sports reporting, sports reporting, sports anchoring. And then you turn, you know, you transition into content creator. So it's people, you don't need to have your, you know, whole life planned out a straight shot right away. Um, it's okay to make turns and stuff. Um, what was kind of like, what helped you be okay with, you know, changing directions and, you know, your dream was sidelined reporting, but then it kind of turned like, well, what do you think a big, um, like, uh, factor was for for that change, or, um, or not for that change, but like to help you be okay with doing that change? 
you know, it took a lot for me to just take a step back and and look at what was making me happy. Um, I found myself, you know, really looking forward to shoots that I had set up and kind of dreading having to, you know, go be on air. And I don't want to say dreading, but like after a while, like I was doing like three games a week sometimes um, on the on, um, sideline. So it like, I mean, it sounds stupid, but like doing your hair and makeup like so often. And then in local TV, you do it every day. And like, after a while, you're like, is this a, a good use of my time? Like, so for me, I just kind of, you know, took a step back and thought, I do enjoy it. I have a lot of fun. Um, but I think for me personally, I, and I don't want to say this and sound like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, dissing the people that are on air because it's a great job and it's hard to do. Um, but for me personally, I just felt like creatively I had a little bit more to offer and um, more that I wanted to explore. There was, there's more within this side of the camera that I wanted to, you know, learn more about versus the other way around. Like, I, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. I'm also not completely like done with being on air. So if there's a, you know, a freelance job, I'm excited to jump on that opportunity. Um, but it's just not part of my current position. Um, and it, it's, I'm not going to lie, it, it was a hard, it was a hard transition. I, it was kind of an identity thing for me because I've always my whole life thought I wanted to be on air. I don't even remember the first time that like I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Um, but I think, you know, it, it's a lesson that you learn a little bit later in life that it's okay for things to, um, you know, change. And it's not failure. It's just you're growing as a person and things might be different. Um, and for me, that's just, you know, what happened. I just found myself being more comfortable behind the camera, um, feeling like, you know, that's more of who I was. Um, I'm a little bit on the weird side. So it's like I felt a little bit like I had to be a certain way. On, ca on camera, you know, they're looking for a very specific person. They're looking, a very, like, you know, and, and the further along that I got in that, the more I felt like that's not really who I am. Um, and so it's been a really a nice, you know, stress reliever for me to, you know, just be able to focus on myself behind the camera for now. And, you know, if there's an opportunity for me to, to stay on air again in the future, like, I'm more than happy to do it. But I think that, um, you know, it just takes a minute for you to just step back and think, okay, what, what do I really want in life? I want a nice full career and I want to, you know, perform the way I'm supposed to. And I think for me, that's behind the camera. Nice. And you mentioned you kind of got a little more video production experience starting your senior year in, in high school or college? College. College. Okay. So yeah. what was that like? You know, what was your learning curve like? How did you you mentioned YouTube University. Like, what were, what was, how did you practice or learn those reps um, to get better to, you know, to a point where you can make that switch from sideline reporting or um, anchoring to full time content creator? Yeah. So that position, um, I was an internship, was really similar to the position that I had at Monmouth, where I was both on air and I was also shooting stuff. Um, 
I did a lot of feature work at TCU. That was the, my first introduction into like storytelling um, was that position. And that, and I knew right away that, that I like fell in love with that part of it. Um, my, you know, my strongest, you know, desire in this world is to do storytelling. You know, I, I videos are fun and everything, but to me, it's the longer form stuff. I wish it did better on social media, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, how was that really my transition? I, I'm, I'm not really sure other than like, it was a good introduction to what it's like to be at a live game. I shot on the sidelines at TCU. Um, it was the first time I shot like an actual game aside from interning when I was stand with the photogs, you know? Um, but no, you learn a lot about like, I don't know. I, I had a professor too, that was also my technically my boss there and she was great. And she, you know, kind of let us do our thing. And, and that was a time where content wasn't consumed the way it is now. So we did have, you know, the leeway to do what we wanted um, and learn a little bit more about it. So it was nice because I had, you know, access to equipment and student athletes and stories. And um, it was honestly probably the most beneficial internship that I had um, while I was in college, just because it showed, it kind of, encompass everything that this world has to offer um, mm-hmm. when it comes to either being or you know creating your own content so i don't know if i answered your question <laughs> what you mentioned earlier having imposter syndrome and it's honestly straight up a term i'm not super familiar with like i've heard it from people and i'm just like yeah like i just nod like I don't really fully understand the definition. So for those that might be listening that don't know, can you explain kind of what that is and like how you deal with it in case someone listening is, you know, in the same boat? Yeah. So imposter syndrome basically means like you don't believe that you actually are deserving of the praise and um, I, I don't want to say attention, but attention that you're getting that you don't actually believe that you're as successful as you are um, almost like fake it till you make it type of thing um, which I think there's a lot of a lot of this job that is oh we're just all kind of figuring it out mm-hmm. you know um, and so in a way you can't really look at yourself that way because I think that there's so many people that are still just kind of figuring it out um, but like for example when you asked me to be on this podcast I'm like I wouldn't want to talk to me. Like, I don't know anything, but like, you have to take a step back and be like, wait, you actually do know some stuff. Like you have been in the professional world for a while. Like don't sell yourself short. You know, you, people might actually want to know what you have to say, but like, I think it's something that a lot of people are like, really? Like they, they liked my video. Like they, you know, so it's kind of, um, it's, I don't really know how to explain it, but it's like, you don't really believe that, your value is what it is. Mm-hmm. Which, um, I, maybe I shouldn't admit that. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm, I'm constantly shocked and surprised at the fact that people will message me about, you know, how to do certain things or, you know, asking me for advice. Or, and I'm like, really? It's one of the most humbling things in this world, I think, is when somebody reaches out to me and says, can you look at my reel? Can you look at this video that I made? And like somebody that actually appreciates my opinion, it's like, it's like 
makes it like, it's like touching, you know, I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, really? Okay. I'd love to. And I'm the same way as you, where it's like, if somebody reaches out to me, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be like, Hey, this shot should not be in here. You know, I actually had, I was emailing with somebody yesterday who sent me their reel and they, they were like, Hey, I just want to know there's somebody that was switching from finance into video. And they're like, how do I do this? And they're like, here's my reel. I'm like, well, it's great. You have a reel already. Um, but I was like, but take the first shot out, like move this one over here. Like, this is what they're looking for. So I'm going to be straight up with you. I'm going to tell you like, Hey, I, I've had a couple people reach out to me about like their color grading. They're like, what do you think of this? I'm like, well, you lost your greens here. Like, you, you know, like it's, I'm going to be straight up because mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't want to sugarcoat it for you because you're not going to get better if you don't. But long story short, it's, it's, shocking to me that people want my opinion on things and i'm like why why would you want like what i don't get it but then it's like Suvi, stop like think about it like you work at ucla that's kick-ass like you know you're really doing it and people notice and that's something that you know i have to remind myself of every once in a while um because it's kind of easy to get wrapped up into you know feeling like you're always behind in this Mm -hmm. world because there's so much to learn and there's so much to consume and there's so much to try that like I feel like I don't have any time. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's basically it. Like you don't really believe that, you know, you're worthy of the, uh, attention that you get, I guess. Um, you like, I, I guess, is there like anything that you do or anything that you do to remind yourself or like advice that you have to someone who might be struggling with that? Um, like, is it something you just accept and like, you're okay with it? And, or is it something like you're trying to like work through and, you know. I think that it's um it's still this world is still a little bit new to me because I haven't been full time production for that long because I was on air forever, um, so I think that that's part of what's contributing to it for me. Um, but I read an article from somebody who put it tweeted it out a couple of weeks ago that was like, you you find you might find yourself in situations where you're like, why did somebody trust me with this? You know, but then you're like. Because you have to just remind yourself, like, oh, but you're good at your job. You know, like, just because, you know, it might be an industry that's not typical for a lot of people doesn't mean that, like, your job isn't real, you know. Um, and I think that that's where things get lost a little bit, too, is because people don't really give creatives the respect that they deserve in the professional world just because, you know, it's an art form and people don't tend to think that working in arts is, like, really that much of a career mm-hmm. um <laughs> say that's nice um but yeah i think that because it is a new world i think it's a new world for everybody but a new world for me specifically and I'm, I'm still kind of going back to what i mentioned earlier in the, pro- in the um, podcast is like looking back at your old footage and that is the biggest reminder for me is like i look at my stuff from a year ago and i'm like oh that was horrible I really know a lot more now than I did then. And I need that reminder every once in a while that like, Hey, you know, you're not half bad. You're not half bad at this and you are doing the right thing and you are working hard. Um, but it's, it's, I think I've heard of more people deal with this than what you would expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't know. I kind of think it's better than the opposite <laughs> being like overly confident that, you know, and you're, then you end up like, sucking i don't know (laughs) i don't know i don't know how to explain it like i don't know how else to even you know 
describe how to deal with it other than just like, don't be so hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody is on their own path and in their own world and, you know, trying to figure it out for themselves. And, you know, looking at your own personal progress through your own eyes is a good way to recognize how far you've come. Yeah. Be be confident in your work. There's, there's a, there's that there's plenty of reasons why people are you know reaching out and saying your stuff is good or asking for help like um and i get a lot of dms on every week of people asking questions and i think a lot of people are still searching for that confidence in their own work um and that's something i, I you know i try to help with like you know your, your stuff's actually pretty good like but if you tweak it here and there it'll be even better um when, i think that um- Oh, sorry. I mean, no, you're, you're good. Uh, I think that another thing that is different too is that as a female in the sports world, it is pretty easy to feel like you don't belong. Um, and so that maybe that feeling of imposter syndrome is a little bit, you know, more common in females um, as we make our way in this world. Um, so I do want to give you a huge shout out because you've already had a lot of female creators on this podcast. And I think that that is awesome. Yeah. Um, it's great to show, you know, that we can do it too. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely something um, I thought about after the first couple. I was like, I definitely need to make sure I get um, women on this podcast. So I, you know, I, I'm trying to make sure to not just, you know, go all, all guys. Um, and it's awesome. It's awesome to see, um, you know, other females and, you know, women in this industry do awesome stuff because it's like, you guys can do it too. Like, it doesn't matter if yeah. you're female or male, like a creative is a creative, like let's all just make those stuff. Yeah. It's nice to show that there's like for younger females that are looking to break into the sports industry that you don't have to be on air to work in the sports world like there's room for you in other places if that's what you want to do and i think that my transition from being on air to being behind the camera is really important right now um because there's a lot of women that you know we when i first started i'm not gonna lie like i i knew i wanted to work in sports when i went to college and i felt like the only way to do that was to be on air. And I think that's where the idea that being an on-air reporter originated from was because I didn't really have too many women to, you know, look up to in this industry to be like, oh, I want to be like her. Because it's always, you know, a male director or, you know, a a female sideline reporter. You're like, oh, I can do that. Um, But if I took a second to really look back on it, I had been, I've had a camera in my hand since I was, you know, 10 years old, my, I'm always having my family make videos when I was little and like movies and, and editing things. I think the, the literally the first video that I ever made was this video about, it was <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I can't want to say this. There's this video called hats. And it was literally a video of me sitting in front of my computer, putting on a whole bunch of different hats. <laughs> and I'm like putting all these horrible iMovie transitions in there. I remember the day so specifically, I was in, I think sixth grade. And my brother was in the living room playing video games with his friend. And I was like, he was supposed to be watching me. And I was bored. I'm like, stop playing video games and play with me. And he didn't want to. So I was like, 
fine, I'm going to go make a video. And I ended up just going in my sister's room and putting a bunch of hats on and making a video. And so it's like, slow down, think about what you really love. For me, I was like, wait a second. I've been creating videos since I was 10 years old. This should have been my first choice. But just because I didn't have another female that I looked up to that does what I do, um, kind of made that goal a little bit hard to see at the time. So now I'm really excited that I have the ability to be that for, you know, younger females that are looking to work in sports, you know, maybe they're like, Oh, I can do that. Yeah. That, that's awesome to see. Um, I've definitely had, um, a couple of previous guests say that, you know, they wanted to work in sports and they wanted to be silent reporters cause that's, that's all they saw back then. Um, but now, you know, it's cool to see content creators, producers, directors like there's so many positions um and so many ways for more women to be in sports and it's cool to see um see that start to unfold um what who were some of your i guess influencers or mentors that you know really stick out when thinking about past couple of years of getting to ucla as a content creator um it's really funny that you asked that because I know this topic has come up on some of the other episodes and it made me think about it. And I'm the same as you. I'm very much self-taught. I haven't really been in a position until now. I mean, my current boss is fantastic. But leading up to this point, I honestly didn't have any guidance. Like I just went for it. I was winging it forever. with a lot of YouTube, <laughs> a lot of YouTube. And like when I say YouTube, I don't know if anyone's listening to this is, is going to care that I say this, but when I watch a YouTube tutorial, I literally watch it like I'm in class. Like I sit there and I take physical handwritten notes while I'm watching them so that I can reference back to my notes while I'm doing it. Um, and then I keep the notes for later and then I do it probably 10 times until I don't need the notes anymore. Um, but take notes, like really take notes. Um, there was, of course, when it just comes to the sports industry as a whole, um, Mark Cohen at TCU is, um, was an, has been an amazing resource for me. He is, um, associate athletic director there now. Um, he was head of communications and the football SID while I was there, um, and his son David is an SID um, as well. And of course, it's not the same world because it's not creative content. Um, but he has been an amazing resource when it comes to making connections and to you know understanding the grind of the sports world um, because the SIDs you know have crazy schedules as well. Um, and he's always been very um, just a big positive influence on on my career as a whole. And he's probably my number one reference on my reference sheet when I apply for a job. So um, he's the nicest human on the planet. And I genuinely can say I wouldn't be where I am in my career if it wasn't for, for him. So I, a mentor in the sports world, for sure, not necessarily the creative content world, which again, that's also okay. You know, if you have a mentor, that's not specifically what you're doing. Um, it's just kind of good to have somebody to reference when it comes to you know, the grind and the culture of what the sports industry is. Yeah. And if, if, if you don't have a mentor or have someone that, you know, can help with, with that guidance, it's okay to try to reach out and 
how to build a relationship with someone and network through social media or LinkedIn um, to get, you know, to get someone to ask questions to because it's, we don't, we don't start off in life with all the answers to all our questions. So you got to ask and it's okay to ask and it's okay to try to find someone to kind of lean on um, as you're going through high school, college, post-grad applying and all that. Um, you mentioned earlier that you, you're applying for jobs. It was like a year and a half span. Um, what was like the biggest lesson or thing that you learned from applying for such a long time? Like I, I feel like a lot of people listening might, you know, think about stop, stopping applying after like six months in or like what made you push for a year and a half and keep going? I mean, there's a lot of factors when it comes to job, the job application process, but I, I definitely think, you know, hearing other people's stories that it's going to work out for you eventually. Like you, you have to put in the time and you have, and I, I knew going into this industry that it was going to be hard. I, I never, you know, expected to get a job in two months. So I think my approach to it was that don't expect, don't expect a callback. I know that sounds really bad, but like a majority of the time you're not going to get called back. Um, so don't expect somebody to jump at your job application, especially if you're just dry applying for jobs. You know, I, I know I'd mentioned it before, but like, it's so important to find a connection within the job that you're applying for, because there's absolutely no reason why your application is going to stand out. I'm just being real. Your application is probably not going to get pushed through if it doesn't have little help. So you have to find a way to, you know, make a connection within the department. So for me, it was, it was about, you know, being persistent. And I think having the background of being on air was helpful when it came to this, because I'm so used to hearing no, that when I started hearing yes, I was like, what? (laughs) Okay, great. Um, Let's roll with this. So I think that just being persistent um, and knowing and approaching it with the mindset that it's going to be tough um and only the strong ones make it through so if you want to be one of them you got to deal with it (laughs) you know i don't know if that makes sense but hey like if you're gonna really want to do that if you really really want to do this job and really want to work in this industry it's not going to come easy and um it's going to take a lot of a lot of persistent job applying i don't know how to say it job application nope you know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just keep applying. Just keep applying. Yeah. Just keep going. <laughs> and find connections. That's so important. Yeah. I mean, the reason I got my job at the Chiefs was because of a connection. I, My boss at Arkansas used to be the boss of my uh, bosses at the Chiefs. So um, it was an easy reference to know, you know, for them to know who I was. And it made it easy for them to pick me as the intern that season and that's what got my foot in the door so super important to make connections and um realize that it's a small world you know people know people who know people who know people um and just so always make sure you're putting your best foot forward you never know who's going to be where down the road and um what type of connection that you know may lead to or what opportunities it may open up because um, of how you were 
five years ago. Exactly. I, I mean, not to take make, make this any longer, but um, the reason that I got the job that I have now is because I reached out to a female that went, went to TCU who I know from TCU. Um, and she had mentioned, you were so nice to me in college and you helped me so much get to where, cause she's actually younger than me. She's like, you're, you were so nice in helping me, you know, move my career forward. It's the least I can do is to help you now. So it's, it's something to, you know, look at when it comes to be just, being a good person, you know, be nice to people, make connections, just talk to people. You you really can't be shy in this world. You have to be, you know, ready to talk and meet people. And you, like you said, you never know who you're going to connect with and how it's going to lead you, you know, down the road. And another example, I was um, interning in Cape Cod League and I would just chat with the scouts. Because I was, I sat behind home plate and I like to talk. And I remember I talked with this one MLB scout, um, and a year later he was my recommendation to getting the internship at MLB Network. And I was the only intern at the MLB Network who didn't have a family relative that already worked there. So if that tells you anything, it's you know just talk to people. You never know who your connection is going to be, and be nice. Be nice to <laughs> yep. And for those who might be a little more shy and, you know, might not be as outgoing, do you have any advice or tips for those people to try to, you know, be better at networking? Because I was definitely one of those people in college. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, and that's kind of one of my regrets from college is I wish I talked to more people um, just because it increases your chances at more open doors down the road. Um, luckily, it worked out for me, but what would your advice be for people who might be more on the shy side when it comes to networking? Yeah, I know that me saying talk to people is much easier said than done for a majority of people. Um, I'm very lucky in the sense that I can pretty much talk to a wall. Um, but I think right now there's a lot of um, beauty in the fact that you have access to a lot of people at the tips of your fingers. Um, when it comes to social media. So I don't want to say, oh, hi behind social media. But like, if you can bring yourself to DM somebody, DM somebody, you know, if you think they're going to be beneficial for your career, knowing that person's going to be beneficial for your career, don't be scared to do that. You have, you know, the ability to reach people without actually having physically talked to them right away. And once you get to know them a little bit online, then, you know, meeting them, you know, at a conference or whatever won't be as intimidating. Um, so I, just using social media as much as you can to, to network and make connections and, you know, try to ease your way into talking to people if that's a really hard thing to do for you. But I do think that, you know, being shy in the sense that you're not going to reach out to anybody is really not going to work. If you you, you kind of have to get over yourself and just suck it up and do it because, there's so many people out there that want the job that you're trying to get and you're not going to get it unless you can talk to people. So you can do it. It's really not as scary as you think it is. Like no one, and what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to say no, or they don't reply. Like, okay, what's next? You know, it's not, you're, you're not going to die. You, you can talk to people. It's okay. <laughs> yep. On to the next one. 
And that's what you that's what led you to UCLA. So, you know, now that you're at UCLA, what's ha- what's been your, like your favorite project or like your proudest moment in the over the past year that you've been there? Honestly, this past week was amazing for me. Um, I decided to shoot a mini series for Black History. Well, we're we're launching it during Black History Month um, called Black Voices, and it's a series just with our student athletes. I pretty much gave them the floor and said, you know, the camera's yours. Talk to the fans how you want to talk to them. Um, and I think this past year has been really um, influential in general just because of the climate of our country right now mm-hmm. um and it's been great to have the trust from the student athletes that i have right now and um just you know knowing that they are okay with me helping them tell their stories is something that really um is humbling and makes me feel really good um so this week shooting those i mean i I did it completely by myself. I'm a one-man band, especially during COVID. We can't have more than one person from our staff on campus at a time. So it was a long, you know, it was a long day. We had to do it all in one day. Um, and I shot with, I shot with four student athletes for full interviews. Um, and one of them was Mia Dennis, who is, I don't know if anybody's been following her latest viral moment. Um, but I shot with Mia on Wednesday and, it was so funny when she sat down. She was like, I'm so nervous. And I'm like, yeah, you've been on the Ellen show. Like, why are you nervous? And so it's it's really nice, you know, when you get student athletes like that, that are just really humble and down to earth. And it was just, it was great because she's, you know, she's our star right now on campus. And, you know, having her, you know, trust me to help tell her story was really great. And, um, you know, just kind of, Having an idea, pitching it, bringing it all the way through to completion is just a good feeling for anybody, I think. Um, and for it to be such an important topic and subject right now is it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I did another video for them, uh, for um, the BSAA, the Black Student Athlete Alliance on campus, um, for Black Lives Matter. And that was another thing that just, you know, really was humbling experience and probably a, you know, a big moment for me at, at UCLA was, you know, having the ability to help the student athletes reach their fans in a, in a different way. So. And how do you build that trust with the student athletes? Because a lot of people message me about what it's like to work with athletes and um, people probably don't know like what that's like. So what, what, what has it, what's been that like getting to work with student athletes and how do you build that trust with them? Yeah, you know, it's really, it's tough, especially when you are a smaller staff. Um, I'm kind of spread really, really thin. So if there's one thing that I wish that I did a better job at would be, you know, my my relationships with the student athletes specifically. Um, When you work at a smaller school like Monmouth, you know, you have access to these student athletes. They're always in your office. They're everywhere. So you know them really well. But when you work at a bigger place like UCLA, especially with higher profile athletes. I mean, like half the people on our campus are Olympians. It's like humble brag for UCLA, but like, it's crazy. But you know how they're all doing interviews all the time with so many different media outlets. So it's, it's definitely a challenge for sure. Um, But just being very open and honest and um, relaxed around them. They, 
you're not going to want to go in and just like not talk to them because then they're going to be like, who the heck is this person? You know, you want to make sure that you can comfortably be around them and they can comfortably, comfortably be around you. Um, a lot of that does come with like access though, that the coaches are going to give you. If you're a team specific content creator, you better have a really good relationship with athletes because you know, they're your whole job. Um, and you, you want to make sure that you have buy-in from the coaches specifically because that's where the connection is going to originate. Um, so I would approach it by getting to know the coaches first um, and making sure that they know your intentions are right and that, you know, you take your job seriously and, you know, kind of what you're looking for from them. And it's more of a give and take from everybody. So, I mean, just being completely open about your position and, you know, approaching the right people the right way. Um, I think is is the first step, but knowing knowing the coaches is probably going to be your in if there's any kind of in. Nice, yes, so. that is a very good point. Like if you get the coaches, get on their good side, it'll make your life a lot easier as a content creator with an athletic department. Um, speech, speaking of athletic department, you work across all sports, so football, gymnastics, soccer, everything. So what is that like? working across, you know, different courts, different fields, different pools um, versus I, a lot of us, you know, we just work in one sport if, we're, we, if, we, if we are in sports. Um, and how do you adapt to, like, the different stadiums and all mm -hmm. that? It's a lot. It's really a lot of sports. It's a lot of student-athletes. It's a lot of games. Um, we are definitely – I'm not going to shy away from this. We're definitely shorthanded at UCLA. I shoot – every every team and that's a lot for one person um but i mean of course my boss shoots every once in a while and my my um co-worker eric also shoots so we have all hands on deck there for sure um but i do really like having the mix because i think that it's very easy and it still is pretty easy but to do this but it's very easy to kind of be repetitive with your work um, if you're, of course, if you're covering a, or following a specific brand um, or team or or look for a specific client or something, um, it's really easy for your stuff to become repetitive. So it's nice for me to have um, access to other sports because, you know, it kind of is a bit of a, it lights a bit of fire in my brain of like, what else can I do? You know, how can I approach this? And, um, but it's, and every sport's different. So like shooting everything, you know, shooting football is going to be so much different than shooting gymnastics or, and, and it's, it's weird knowing like all the, like people don't really talk that much when you go to tennis and like basketball's really loud. Like what are the differences? So like kind of, you know, knowing your way around each sport is, um, it's a challenge for sure. But I think that um, it's a good thing for a lot of people to learn. So especially if you're in college, I know it's really easy to be like, I want to work basketball or I want to work football and that's it. Go to equestrian, go to women's tennis, you know, go to these sports that don't get the attention that they normally do because it's going to be a completely different perspective on, you know, the creative world. And it might, you never know, it could, you know, make you look at a certain way to shoot, you know, differently or create a video a different way and approach things not so straightforward you know what i mean like it's yeah. going to create a perspective for you on your other sports and it's just kind of good to be well a, a well-rounded creator in general because especially at the college level because 
then it's going to open up a lot of doors for you when it comes to the job application process if you have a lot of different sports in your reel. Yeah, that's actually really good advice of, you know, not trying to just do football or basketball because it's, you might, you might even get better access trying to get, go to, you know, the less popular sports because they want you there to cover them. Um, so that's, you know, everyone's going to be trying to get to football and you might have to beat out some people and the access might not be as great because it's football. It's the biggest thing on campus. But then if you try to go to, you know, another sport, t- soccer, tennis, lacrosse, whatever, mm-hmm. the coaches might be more relaxed and chill about, you know, oh, yeah, you want to film our practice? Go ahead. Like, we want people to film our stuff. Um, we don't get enough attention. So that's also a good strategy and, you know, spreading out and doing different sports. Um, all right. A couple more things before we wrap up. I am going to give you the mic and you can put on your sports anchor hat on because now you get to ask me questions. Um, if you have any, I do. All right, <laughs> go ahead. Um, I actually wrote a couple down. Let me see. Okay. Um, one is a, a little bit about your creative process. Um, I, I talked about it for a split second there. What is your approach to a video? I, I know it's very easy for things to become repetitive it's very easy for you you know to anybody that works in one sport specifically um to kind of make the same thing a lot and then that can get a little bit you know dull so how do you approach a project because your stuff never looks like that so how do you approach a project making sure that it's different enough from your last video but still within your style does that make sense that makes a lot of sense, but I also thank you for that because in my head, I think I'm starting to get a little repetitive. <laughs> so it's good to hear that from a different perspective, you think I do a good job of not making my work look repetitive. Um, yeah. Always tired, you know that. Um, I think it's, that's a really good question. I don't know if I have the answer for it, but for me, it's just trying to, you know, is is thinking about that not being repetitive and trying to force yourself to look at the box from a different angle. Um, yes, I'm, for the most part, and when it comes to shooting sports, I'm only shooting the Chiefs for my side gig. I'm only shooting basically Patrick Mahomes. So it is very tough to try to, do different things. And especially this season with COVID that has made things so much harder because I'm stuck in the stands. I'm basically in the same spot, the same, I rotate between the same two spots on the stands, um, the majority of the game. And it's hard to get like a different angle because I can't go anywhere. Like I'm just, I'm just stuck. So it's definitely been a challenge this season. Um, and something that I try to do is just think of, you know, how else, how can I do something different? Like in one video, I added VFX via my good friend, Andy. He's my roommate and he's been getting better at 3D graphics. So I was like, hey, what if we start an intro with, you know, your visual effects and we, go crazy and that starts a video. So that was a cool way to intro one of my videos and not make things look the same. Um, another thing I've been doing 
Um, hasn't really been affecting my videos, but I've started to shoot photos and videos with my dual camera setup. And that just came from, uh, you know, I haven't really seen anybody else do it. I'm just going to try this crazy idea that I had, like, let's see. And, it, and it's working. So now I have photos on my feed on top of video and it's just not the same. So I guess that's, you know, making things less repetitive because now I have some decent photos for, um, for my social media channels. Um, uh, this past summer I started to shoot more with the 360 cam and, you know, incorporate some of that into my videos. Um, and I think that took a lot of people by surprise when they started seeing that stuff. So, um, it's kind of just seeing what's available to you. Like if there's a new camera out, if there's a 360 camera drone, FPV, whatever it is, like just seeing what's available to you, trying to get it in your hands and, um, just messing around with it. And, um, I, that's the long version of the answer. I hope that works for your question. I don't know if that answers it, but just trying to always think outside the box while yeah. also knowing that you have to be in that box. It's, it's, it's a, it's a it's tough, a, yeah. Yeah, it's hard, it's, it's an art form to learn, I feel like. Um, the other thing is that for me, I think it's, well, not for me, I'm starting that over. A lot of people get really wrapped up in this world with the big moment, you know, the most memorable, you know, oh my, I shop Super Bowl, I, you know, that kind of thing where it's like, okay, this is the moment I'm going to remember for the rest of my life because it was so obviously a moment going to stick out in your mind. But what is one of the small moments that sticks out in your mind that you've had in your career that, you know, you kind of hold close to your heart, but you don't normally tell people it's like a memorable moment for you. That is a phenomenal question. <laughs> um, a big, small moment. Ooh. I know that sounds weird. But yeah, like, I like it. Um, I'm trying to think because yeah. now, now, I mean, it's not a big moment, so it's not at the top of my head. So I got, I got to think about this. Um, yeah. there's a ton of small moments and I mean, there's big moments that people are going to pay attention to, but this industry is made out of a lot of really small moments that don't get recognition. So what is something for you that kind of stuck out in your career that might not be one of those moments that people would think? I have an answer myself yeah, so that's helpful. I'm, I'm gonna add, or yeah I, I will ask you the same question after this but I think I think my small moment will be oh there's so many small moments <laughs> I know right I think I'm gonna go with my first touchdown that I filmed in the NFL if I remember correctly it was Tyreek Hill running returning a punt for a touchdown against Houston in 2017 and I was an intern that year, so I didn't really get to shoot the games. I was I was just a battery grip, like the the guy with the batteries, and I would just follow uh, the full timers with the cameras. Um, but sometimes they would get tired, or they would you know give me a chance at shooting. Um, and one time I got that opportunity, and it just happened to be the time that Tyreek scored a touchdown and he ran basically in front of me. I was on the sideline and he ran on the same side and it was just like following him in. And that was kind of, I guess that was like my first big small moment because 
it like solidified that I could film in the NFL and I just filmed this touchdown and you know it was a pretty solid shot um I messed up a little bit with the zooming but other than that um it was like my first big moment in a game that I got to film um so I, I think that would be my my answer to that question I love that that's exactly the answer I was looking for yeah. Because, you know, people can say, oh, I got this shot at the, at the parade, yeah. the Super Bowl parade. Like, okay, but, like, what's one of those smaller ones that, you know, really you hold close to your heart? Another you know? one that I'll just throw out there, same game, Chiefs versus Houston. Um, I think that was our first away game that season. And, you know, it was my first time working for a team my first time around athletes, like we did training camp, a couple of weeks of that. Um, and I actually got to basically start a relationship with one of the players, Demarcus Robinson. He introduced me or introduced himself to me at training camp. And I was like, my name is Billy. I do this video. And he's like, oh, cool. Like he's like the first pro athlete to ever like ask me what my name was. Um, so he, he became like my favorite player pretty quickly and pregame during that Chiefs versus Houston game. Again, I was the camera bag or the, you know, the battery bag boy, like just following, um, the full timers, just going wherever they went, but I was on the field and the players huddled up and did their breakdown after their warmups and they ran off and D-Rob saw me and like gave me a fist bump. And I was like, <laughs> like, like one of those moments, like during a, basically right before the game, um, just like getting a quick dap from D Rob was like another cool small moment that same game. So I'll, I'll do uh, two answers for that. I love that. Yeah. That those were perfect answers. That was exactly what I, I mean, because that's, if you can't recognize those small moments, like mm-hmm. it's going to be a long career. You're going to be, you're not going to be happy. So yeah. paying attention to those little things are, you know, what's going to keep you afloat. In my opinion, at yeah. least. I think that's I, I agree. Yeah. There's definitely, there's been a hundred of small moments and um, it's all led to where you're at now. So well, what was your big small moment? Um, for me, when I worked at Monmouth, I had the opportunity to do a feature with Chris Hogan, who was an NFL player. And, um, that alone, I know it doesn't sound like that small of a moment, but it was within the interview. Um, it, I basically got to do the entire thing like myself, and I had a couple people that were helping me run cameras, and and I was able to kind of be like, hey, let's let's direct it myself. And um, I sat down, I did a sit down interview with him, um, and I always prepare for my interviews, but um, I always like to make sure that I, you know leave a little room for just casual conversation and bouncing back and forth because one, it makes them more comfortable not that you needed it, but um, it makes your subject more comfortable. And um, you also don't really ever know what you're going to get when you, you know, ask these, you know, just casual normal life questions. Um, so I had all the typical stuff prepared for him. Um, and then we just started casually talking and I saw that he, or I asked him about his family and about his kids. And the minute that, he started answering that question. I recognized in my head that like, that was what he wanted to talk about. Like that is the angle of this story. And it completely 
changed everything when it came to how I had originally prepped for this interview. And I continued to ask him questions about his family and his life. And rather than his, you know, of course, I got in the success questions in the NFL. And, um, but it was one of those things where I was like, I picked up on that. I recognized that I picked up on that. And it made my story a lot better, which in turn made me recognize, like, maybe I can actually do this. Like, that was, like, for me, the first time that I was like, you're good at your job. You know, like, you can do this. And it was like, I don't know, it, it was such a tiny moment where, like, his whole demeanor changed. And I was like, I, I, I don't know, I picked up on it. And I was like, this is great, because it just gave me the confidence to recognize the direction the story is supposed to go. And it kind of, you know, was exciting for me to be like, you didn't get so wrapped up in the fact that you're in front of a Super Bowl champion. And you're also, you know, you have been prepping for this interview for like, two weeks straight and then the question that ends up being the story is the one that I didn't even have prepared so it was it, I don't know it was an exciting little moment that I was like wait you can actually do your job <laughs> yeah that's awesome <laughs> I love that yeah those little like self-awareness moments is always great like yeah there's I think self-awareness is huge I think in this industry and the sooner that people like realize what their strengths are, what their weakness are can kind of almost like watch their situation from a third party perspective and like use that to handle what's going on. That's, that's when you get dangerous. Like, and yeah, like when you, like you notice that his, that question clicked for him and that's, you realize that you have that ability to notice that like that's when it changes for everybody. Like that's, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. I think that that was really the, the point in my career so far that I realized like I can do production, you know, versus just being on air. I think having the background that I have in, you know, reporting is great because I, I want to go forward and hopefully work in like documentary and, and stuff like that. So being able to interview people and sit and talk to people is definitely a skill I learned through reporting, um, which is going to be very helpful moving forward. Um, but it was that one moment where I was like, I, I like this more than I like being live on the sidelines telling a story that lasts 30 seconds. I want to tell these long, real stories. And I think that that was the moment that it like clicked in my head that that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And speaking of, what do you want to do? What do you see yourself doing in like the future where five years from now, 10 years from now, like what's your career goals? Yeah. Um, I think it's important to say, even though I've said it already, but um, it's okay that your career goals change. I know that that's something that, that people struggle with a lot and something that I personally used to struggle with a lot um, was getting really wrapped up in a specific goal. Um, and then realizing that if you, don't reach that specific goal does not mean you're a failure. It means that you've grown. And I, I know I've said that. So for me, it's the fact that my goals have changed is kind of weird, um, but exciting at the same time. So I, I really want to work in documentary film um, eventually. Not even, I mean, I would love to work in sports documentary, but not even specifically sports. I would like to tell, you know, as cheesy as it sounds, the stories that really matter, you know, the stories that are going to change the world. And, you know, I would love to be able to make a living off of that, which would be crazy. Um, so 
we'll see like longer form feature work right now. And then hopefully we can do a, a full doc soon. Yeah, that's awesome. I just shot my first mini documentary at Let It Fly. So that was that was very exciting to see come together. Um, Love it. I had plenty of interest in documentaries coming out of college and I always thought that was something I wanted to do. So it's, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun for sure. Um, all right, last couple of things. Who are three people on social media that people listening need to follow? Like who are three accounts or creatives? Like you guys got to follow this person and they do great stuff. Yeah, I think um, the first person, I already shouted him out with Matt Israel. Um, he does not get the love that he deserves on social media. He is the Rams guy. Um, he He has been so ahead of the game for so long that it's crazy and he's not as active on social but like if you see his work you're like holy crap like Matt knows what he's doing so I would definitely say follow him he's doing some amazing work um the biggest one for me when it came to kind of grasping my look and approach to things was um Avalon uh I don't know how to say her name Mm-hmm. I mean, we've never met in real life and it's kind of embarrassing that I'm like shouting her out, but like, um, she's, a she was, used to be with uh, USD and that's when I first started following her, um, was when I saw her work at USD and now she's at, um, what's it called? Fresh tape. What's their Fresh tape. tape media. Yep. Yeah. Um, and she, I don't know, there's something very natural about her work and that it's to me a little bit more of like, my style when it comes to content because I of course when you work in college and you work in sports it is easy and you know exciting to do a lot of fun effects and and all things like that but when I really break down like what I want to do it's not as flashy um as what I currently am doing I think um so she does a really good job of grasping the environment and the people and without being overly flashy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a lot of color correction and um, I don't know, there's something very natural about her work that I really, yeah, really love. I, I really enjoy her work as well. I, I know what you're talking yeah, about. It's great. It's, and I, we've messaged back and forth all the time. And I remember when she was at USC and I'm like, what were you saying? Like when I didn't, you know, like I didn't really know that much. I'm like, how did you shoot this? Like, I think you're so amazing. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely those two. Um, oh my God, I don't know a third one. I mean, I do, but it's just like getting put on the spot is like crazy. Um, anybody with the Chargers is going to be, RT. you know, yeah, like you know, th- their content is just really next level when it comes to, you know, what this world can be. And I think that um, just following the Chargers account in general is, beneficial for everybody and every school and every team um because i think they're kind of changing the game so yeah i they're my favorite nfl social team like their content is phenomenal um all right last thing plug your own twitter and ig handles and then one last piece of advice for the high school student the college student the recent grad for that person trying to you know, get into a position similar to yours and mine. One last piece of advice. The mic is yours. But first, plug your social channels. Okay. Um, 
you cut off there for a second, but I think I got everything you just said. Um, so my social channels are at Susie Milano, S-U-Z-I, there's no E, it's S-U-Z-I, Milano, M-E-L-L-A-N-O, um, for both Twitter and Instagram. But my Instagram's a little confusing, and I know they should be the same. Um, but because I use my Instagram for my freelance work, and my my personal Instagram started when I was on air. So it, I, I ran it a lot more like an on-air personality. Um, I had to make a separate one for my production work because, you know, my whole life I've been split in the two worlds. Um, so I have a separate account that's specifically for my my work. So if you want to follow me, you can follow my Susie Milano. If you want to follow my work, it's Milano Made. And M-E-L-L-A-N-O Made M-A-D-E. I don't even, like, that name is so stupid, but, like, whatever. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything, and I needed to make it fast, so I was like, that's it, and it just kind of stuck. I thought a lot about, like, combining, like, just getting rid of that one and just putting all my work on my personal, but, like, I already ha- I already have, like, over a thousand followers on that one, so I'm like, well, I don't want to, like, I don't know. That's what it is for now, so it's Susie Milano on both Twitter and Instagram, and Milano Made on Instagram as well. What was the last thing? Oh, um, tips for people, last minute advice. Um, I mean, I know I talked about it a bazillion times, but seeking out that connection when you're applying for jobs is huge. Um, talking to people, even though you don't know what the connection could eventually turn into. Um, and, oh, just keep shooting. Don't ever stop shooting. I think right now in this, pandemic that we're in it's very easy to become stale and it's very easy to um you know be like oh we get some time off like no no time off like you are gifted this time right now to try new things go out and shoot you know I mean I don't maybe some people are working really hard not that I'm not but I know a lot of people have been laid off and furloughed and it's very easy to just kind of crawl into a little hole and take some time off of course, take care of your mentals, but you have been gifted this time to, you know, like learn a little bit more, maybe watch more YouTube tutorials than you had would have normally at this time if it wasn't COVID. Um, like for me, I, I have, I just don't want to look back on this time as wasted time. Um, and I think that using it to your, your benefit is, is a really big deal. Like for me, it's like, okay, I, I haven't shot in a week. What can I shoot? Like the other day, I I went and randomly got my perfume bottle in my bathroom and set up a little studio shot or shoot for it and like made a little fake, you know, production promo for it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like now I know how to shoot this. So it's like, what are those things that you want to learn but you never have the time to learn? And now that you're gifted the time, go do it. Couldn't have said it better myself. Just go do it. Learn that thing you want to learn. Shoot that thing you want to shoot. Take advantage of the time that you have right now to get better and improve. Thank you so much, Susie, for being on the podcast. And thank you to everyone who called in to ask us questions. If you want to be a part of the call-ins for a future episode, please DM me and let me know at Billy Quatch Films. Other than that, thank you so much for supporting the podcast, and I'll catch y'all on the next one. Deuces.